Guys, we are recording today's episode in Hawaii, and it is too hot to turn the air off. Aloha. Aloha. Also, uh, we didn't even say, you're not listening to an episode of Rise Together. What? Maybe you're confused, because Dave's here. What on earth? But I realized today it's been a while since the illustrious, the honorable David Marshall Hollis Jr., well, has been a guest on Rise Podcast, and I thought it would be fun if he joined me. I'm very happy to be here. I got to say, I've been waiting for this invitation for a very long time, as you've pointed out, maybe too long. If this is the first time you've ever heard Dave Hollis's voice, that feels odd. Hmm. Uh, you must not be listening to the world-class, highly renowned Rise Together podcast, which is not what today is about. It happens on Thursdays. You're welcome to listen in there if you want to uh, learn all the things that we talk about with regard to relationship. Actually, I invited the big guy over to Rise this week because I thought it would be really interesting to talk about our business. The Hollis Company. The Hollis Company. If you are not already familiar, Dave and I are business partners. He left his job about a year ago. A little more than to join me in taking over the world. That is correct. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Well, you wooed a very, very sought-after talent from the Walt Disney Company after a 17-year career, the last seven of which I was the head of distribution, the head of sales on the movie studio side of the business. Uh, as your 15-year journey in building this business was tipping into a place where uh, you needed someone to come in and handle some of the operational pieces and do a little bit more of the kind of stuff that, frankly, you don't like to do. Yeah, that's accurate. The human hiring pieces, the yeah, accounting finance. and finance pieces, Ugh. the operation of Bliss. the operation. Uh, you needed someone to come do that. I happen to have a set of skills that marry well with those needs. And I offered you a huge salary. I took a, ma a massive pay cut. I but here's offered the thing. you zero dollars and zero cents. I was happy to come do it. Uh, <laughs> I paid you in makeout sessions. That is correct. And it was w it was really uh, an upgrade from uh, basically every single measure uh, on the board. But truly, it was this opportunity to come and chase uh, impact and chase putting tools in people's hands that might afford them the chance to change their life. And my belief in the work that you were doing and seeing how close you were to everything tipping into what it has inevitably now become in the last year and a half or so. And, yeah, and if if you don't follow our business or you don't have access to our books, <laughs> I don't know, that sounds like a really weird way to say it. Uh, there's a chance that you're listening, you're like, okay, great, you work together. Why is that interesting or compelling to us? We think it's really interesting and compelling because when we decided to move from California to Texas... One year ago, we had four employees, and today we have how many employees? 44 human beings work at the Hollis 44 Company. 44 humans who work with us full-time, full benefits, killing it, killing the gang. Um, I think it's the game. It is the game. I realized it after I said it. I was just going to keep moving forward, but thank you for calling that out. It's the game. Uh, but we have grown to an incredible place in 12 months. And I think it's important to tell you that we don't do, we don't do credit. We don't take out loans. Like everything that we've built is in cash and we've built our company to a place where it's sustainable and doing great. And I think there's something really interesting about that. And 
with me as a sort of a student, I read everything I listen to the podcast. You guys know this about me. And all I ever want from the people that I listen to or admire is like, gosh, would you tell me how? Just tell me how you did that thing. And so we wanted to share the five things that we've done in the last 12 months that we really feel like are what has truly taken our business to the place that it's at and will help it continue to grow to the next place. And ironically, I don't think that it's stuff that other people talk about. Like we're not going to talk about ads. We're not going to talk about social media. We're not going to, it's not the traditional, here's how you grow and scale your company, but it is working. So there is something to this. Um, and so we just thought we would share what we've done. Five things. What are the five things that have helped us take this company from four to 44 people in the last 13 months? In no particular order. Let's go. <laughs> I'm Rachel Hollis. And I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. What do we want to start with, honey? Let's start at the top. Leaders. Leadership. Leadership. Uh, one of the most profound things I ever heard was at a business conference years ago. You guys have probably heard me say it before. If you have ever heard me speak or listened to maybe any episode of this podcast, but I was at a conference and someone said, every single problem in a business is a result of the psychology at the top. So good. Every single problem in a business is the result of the psychology at the very top, either because that leader does not have the skills necessary to take them or their business where they want to go, or because that leader has put someone into a position of power who should not be there. But either way, it's the leader's fault. We have very different leadership styles. 100%. Which is, by the way, I think part of why this works as well as it does, but the way that you le have led and just have done it basically for the last decade and a half has really been with super dirty nails rolled up sleeves and having gotten right under the hood to understand all of the working pieces. Because at one point or another during your entrepreneurial journey, you were the one doing the thing that now someone else on the team is doing. Absolutely. And I came into this job having had a different kind of approach because of having had leaders who had a lot of times more expertise in the field that I was managing them for than I myself as their leader maybe even did. And so it's been really interesting to have a need to be a little bit fluid in this leadership journey of my own in moving away from this like kind of corporate experience that I had for a 25 year bit of time in entertainment to now what this small business startup, I'm using air quotes, has really ended up needing yeah, in and real I, time. I, I think what is so interesting about this, because I'm sure that you could listen to anybody or buy a book and they would be like, oh yeah, leadership is the key to growing them. And you're like, blah, 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 great. How does that apply to me? It applies to you because if you're listening to this, you're, you're a leader. 
and you have influence of some kind, whether you're running a team, whether you're running a family, whether you are you are growing your own business or you have a side hustle, you are the leader. And that means whatever, seriously, listen to me, whatever it is that your business is struggling with, whatever it is that you need to know to take you to the next level, there is so much stinking power in understanding that you, yes, you are the problem. But if you are the problem, it means you are also the solution. That is so empowering to understand. Like, it's funny when you tell this to a, an audience full of dudes, when, I, when I'm speaking on stage and I'm talking to mostly men and I'm like, you know, the psychology at the top, the dudes are like, oh, because they're like, cool. If I'm the problem, I'm also the solution. When you say it to a room full of women, you imme- like, I immediately watch their bodies start to like fold forward. They have this shame. They go to this dark place of like, yep, I knew it was my fault. It's like, no, dude, I am not saying this to like challenge you or make you feel shame. I'm saying this because there is so much power in knowledge. And we fundamentally just believe that if our company is going to continue to grow and flourish, it will be because we as individuals have continued to grow and flourish, that we will fight for what we like. Hey, we're not doing a good job communicating with these people. Okay. We need to work on that. Or, Hey, I'm this, this person's doing this over. Okay. We, you know what I mean? Like if there is a problem you can find the answer, but only if you're willing to be a humble enough leader to fight for the solution instead of fighting for your ego. Oh, I mean, for me, one of the things in the last year and a half that has been an unbelievable imprint for the way that we're approaching the business is the work that I've done outside of the company on how I think about failure being a thing that is for me, that now I'm bringing into the company in a way that when we run into problems, we celebrate the fact that we get to learn from them as opposed to feel defeated for having run up against them. That just that mentality in and of itself, especially in a small business that's running as fast as it is, that's growing as fast as it as it is, that is having a new team member join every you know three weeks as it, as it turns out in, in real time. We're gonna make mistakes, and the mentality that we have in making mistakes is a thing that can either stunt the momentum that we have, or can be seen as the thing that we get to now learn and move on from with now a better sense of what to do in the future when a new problem shows up. I also think there's something really powerful when you as a leader take full ownership, full ownership of, so, so here's like an, uh, an idea, like uh, someone on your team is not performing the way that you want them to. And you can point your finger and be like, oh, this person, like they're just failing. They're not hitting their mark. They're not doing what we, they're whatever. It's like, if you take full ownership of that, then you force yourself to ask the question, okay, how am I as a leader failing them as a team member? How am I not being communicative enough? How have I not been clear on their key performance indicators? How have I not told, what, what do I need to take ownership of? Because if you keep pointing a finger at a member of your team, I think that inevitably they just get more and more lost instead of finding a way to clarity. Like if you will, if you will fight yourself on like, how am I not leading them well so that they can perform the way that I'm hoping 
that they will. Like if, if you can exhaust yourself trying to make sure that they have all the tools that they need, all the clarity that they need, there's no misunderstanding, then you can have a real awareness of, hey, you know what, maybe this isn't the right person for the job, as opposed to those situations where you get to the end of like, I think as leaders, we've all had this, where you get to the end of an employee and it didn't work out and they're leaving or you've had to let them go. And they have this conversation where they're like, well, you never told me what it was that you want. And you want to like slam your head against the wall because you're like, are you kidding? You know, what's interesting though, is like in us working together for the very first time in our life, we've had to commit to radical candor in like really pushing into and wading into hard conversations on an every single day basis because we have too many great things to go do. It's too important for us to not get weighed down by something or let something sit unspoken and let it start festering. And so our commitment to dealing in real time with the things that we wish the other had maybe approached in a different way as we grow this business is also trickling into and having a a real effect in the way that we're in real time. You see somebody in a meeting, operate in a way that isn't in line with what you expect. You find a way to pull them aside, not in a big room, have a direct conversation because you care enough about who they are and what you expect of them so that you can just nip it immediately. That like that kind of stuff is in part, especially if you're a fast running, growing quickly kind of company, that if you have a discomfort with confrontation, if you have a discomfort with giving people real time direct feedback, you you have to get over that worry. Yeah. So I feel like it with team members, it kind of breaks down into a few characteristics. Either the person has the skills that they need to have and they know exactly what it is that you want them to do and they want to do a good job. That's like an all-star, right? Then there are people who want so badly to do a good job, know what it is that you want them to do but don't have skills, they need the training, or you have someone who has the skills, knows what it is you want them to do, but has no desire to do a good job, that person's got to be out. Goodbye. (laughs) But I think it's like knowing, asking yourself the question, what are the characteristics that my team member has? Um, I was reading, there's a great book by uh, Keith Cunningham that he said, he was talking about his own team, and he said, we only have two types of people on this team. We have A players and we have B players who are getting training to be A players. Yeah. We don't have C players. And we there's also another great book on this topic, uh, Powerful, by Patty McCord, the head of HR basically for Netflix. And they have a same mentality of we only want to work with high caliber employees or high caliber team members who really want to be the best, who want the training. And dang it, someone who has a strong desire to to work hard to improve, like you can't, you can't buy that. You can't teach someone to be hungry. You can't teach someone to be humble. That is so powerful. One thing that I think is important when it comes to leadership, and I and I want to say this specifically to those of you who are leading an online community. So obviously we have an online community, we have fans all over the world, and in that instance, we're leaders of a different kind. So there's one leadership where you're leading the team of people who get paid by you, and then there's another kind of leadership where you're leading online community, people in your church, whatever. 
here's a reason that I think our leadership as it pertains to the online community has worked so well and will continue to work so well. We are in it. We are doing it with you. Like right now, we're talking about business. We're on a podcast talking about owning and running a business to a bunch of fellow business owners, to a bunch of people with side hustles, to a bunch of people who are interested in this topic. We are in it with you. Before we had this podcast, we just spent the last hour and a half having coffee, talking about the different things we need to improve in our business. We don't teach on or talk about anything that we personally are not also doing. Like we're, when we're telling you need to work out for 30 minutes every day, you see us every day on social media working out. When we tell you that, that if you're going to be in a relationship with someone, you should reach for an exceptional relationship. You are watching us every day together for 17 years, working on having an exceptional relationship. Every single thing we preach, we practice. And I think there are so many people, not just in the personal development space, but all over in all sorts of different industries who will tell you all the things you should be doing while they are absolutely not doing it. And it's the, it's the three with the four wing in me that will, anyone who's a nerd on Enneagram will understand what that means. But I have a visceral reaction to doing things, speaking things, creating content that is not aligned with what is happening in my real life. I, I fundamentally, I, I, it gives me... And the audience movies. feels that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it, like it lead, the leadership piece there, the effectiveness is the fact that it's a thing that the audience can sense. I hope that so. That transparency and authenticity, it, it, like, it, it comes through. And when it also just creates empathy. I mean, like if you want to try and have influence, you have to actually have some empathy to start. And I think that's part of a big part of it. Yeah. So I think that if you have sort of that online community in the way that we do, it's just something I'd love to encourage you with is like, you might be able to fool some people, but most people will, will sense it. They'll sense that it's, it's crap. There's so many people trying to do kind of like, fake authentic now on social because it's popular like let me have this sort of fake vulnerable moment and man your audience doesn't want a stylized version of your authenticity they want you we're, we're interested in being friends with and and learning from real people I just think that's so the it, nature totally of, of the world now is like, we don't want the expert. We want the like, man, I'm in it with you. I, I was speaking at this teacher's conference last weekend, an incredible conference, so incredible. Um, and the, it was a husband and a wife who were throwing it, uh, Hope and Wade King. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of myself Good for work. throwing out their names. Um, really cool couple. And I was talking to her, they, they built this conference and they'd have a new baby and all these things. And I'm like, wait, Y'all are full-time teachers? Like, they're fully elementary school teachers. That also do get your teach on? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, how in the world are you even man? Like, that feels impossible. This is so much work to do this thing. And she was like, well, we can't teach teachers if we're not teaching. That's good. Like, how dare we? Like, we can't share this information. We can't share this wisdom if every day I'm not also tired from handling all these kids or grading these papers or doing, like, how am I supposed to effectively lead you if I'm not doing the work? So and good. I was like, yes, girl. Love that. So I just wanted to bring that up because I know a lot of you are doing similar things. Like, we don't, the world doesn't want your perfect fake 
they want you. They want you saying, what has worked for you? What does this look like? How did you make change? And I just, I want to make sure we touch on that. Love that. Let's talk about this team of ours. A players. A players. So I already said this idea. The two books I'd really recommend on this topic are um, Powerful by Patty McCord, um, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. I really liked Um I mean, there's so many great books on this five dysfunctions of a team. Like you could read 9 million books on the kind of people that you want to hire. But what would you say are like for our, our A players? What would you say are those like the characteristic? What's the through line? They all kind of have similar the, stuff. Well, the first thing is they have to believe in our mission as much as we do. A hundred percent. If they're not on fire in the morning for the work that we're doing, I cannot instill that as a leader in them. And mm -hmm. I cannot manufacture that with pay, with vacation, with any other thing. They have to feel the mission. So if you have a, if you have a thing, whatever your thing is, if your people aren't on fire the way you are for selling that thing or making that thing, they're, they're the, the wrong, wrong people. Person. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I think we put it in all of our, um, when we put job postings up, we're really clear on that message. We interview for it. We make sure like, and it's not even just like you have to want to help women or people change their lives. It's also as specific as like, if you are not the kind of person who would want to go to a personal development conference, you shouldn't work. This here. isn't the place for you. Yeah. If you're not the kind of person who wants to read nonfiction books, wants to listen to podcasts, like those are the questions when someone gets to me where I'll say, what was the last book you read? And when someone just sort of blinks at me like an owl, like I don't care how qualified you are, people who are hungry for change and hungry for growth are constantly going back to that well. They're constantly getting a new book at the library. They're constantly listening to a new podcast. They are working on themselves. And the kind of people who are working on themselves are the kind of people who will understand and be able to engage with an audience of women all around the world, men all around the world who want to do the same. But if you... If you don't get that, I don't care how good you are at like finance, you're not going to make sense here. Because when Dave and I roll in on Monday morning and make everybody jump up and down and want to talk about whatever, you're going to feel so awkward. Yep. One of the things I think that was a real superpower for us in this last year was the self-awareness to appreciate our strengths and our weaknesses when it came to actually hiring great people. Yeah. And like we have a weakness in that we are people people. Uh, we like to kind of get to know the interpersonal side of people, but have not necessarily had as a strength seeing the functional, practical, do you actually have the skills to do the job uh, vetting that is required to get great people on the team. Yeah. And so being self-aware about that, we went out and got recruiters. We yeah. got a headhunter. We yeah. found people who could find people. And that was a massive game changer because as much as we've gone from four to 44, there are eight people that we hired who don't work here anymore in a year. Good point. Uh, which is also another point. When you find yourself having made a hiring decision that does not serve the long-term vision of the company, you have a responsibility as a leader to make swift action. And it is not, by the way, an indictment on that person not being a good person. Mm -hmm. They could be a great person. We had some great people who were working with us that just didn't fit yeah. either the competency that was necessary to do the job well, or they just weren't as like on board for the vision of where we were heading. And it becomes a, a liability for your business because of the way that it might distract other people 
or sends a message to the rest of the team that you're willing to create some collateral damage for not wanting to have a hard conversation. Have a hard conversation yeah. and get the right person in. Two of the best quotes on this topic. Well, well, real quick, let me say this. You know, you always know when it's not going to work. For sure. Uh, I heard Gary Vee say this once. He was like, oh, I fired that guy the first week. But he worked there for another year. Yeah. Because he was like, in my mind, I knew the first week he wasn't the right person for the job. But my favorite quote on this is, it's not the person you hire that destroys your company. It's the one you don't fire. So good. So good. So good. The question that I tend to ask is, would I hire this person today? Yep. 100%. Right. You're, you're a year into that person working at the company. The company's grown. The mission's changed a little bit from what it was a year earlier. You're now in a meeting with this person thinking about the year that's in the rear view and the year that's coming ahead. Would you hire this person that's sitting in your office? If the answer is no, you should make a move as soon as you have a backup. Let's, I mean, let's, like, well, let's even add something else to that. If the answer isn't hell yes. Yeah. It's a no. Or at the very least, if the answer isn't, hell yes, I'd hire them again, it's a, you better get a plan then. You better get a plan. You better get some training. You better get an action for them to take so that they can improve. Because it is not fair for them as a person for you to string them along if, you, if you're not going to help them grow and if you don't think that they're going to work. You either let someone go so that they can go flourish where they're meant to flourish, or you do what is necessary to help them become who they need to become. The, oh gosh, what is that quote? Um, I think it's Chris Hogan. It is Chris Hogan. He says, um, a boss cares if you have a, a great career. A leader cares if you have a great life or something. That's good. Like a leader will help you have a a leader cares about who you are as a person and what's best for you as a person, not just what is best for the company. But there has to be a plan for for what that is. I think some of you are listening to this right now and you know that that person on your team is a cancer, is a negative, is bad energy, is drama. Uh, maybe they're not drama. Maybe they're a slacker. Maybe everyone loves them. I think it's a pat... Lincioni calls it the lovable slacker. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, they don't really work that hard, but gosh, we just love, we just love Larry so much. He's so funny and he's just been with us forever. And we keep, and what that does is send a message to everyone else on your team that they don't have to work as hard. Or it's like a slap in the face to those people who are really killing it for you. It's a slap in the face to your A players that you let a C player coast along because she's a nice gal. I think, too, there's two other things that come to mind and we can move off of the team. One, we built the team that we need a year from now or 18 months from now instead of the team we need today, mm -hmm. which is a thing that requires really investing in your company. And mm -hmm. it is a hard thing sometimes when you're not necessarily already sure of where all these future revenue streams are going to come to justify that bigger than you need today team. But we've gone out and hired some, I think, great people that were a little more expensive because of their having a little more experience. And because of it, they're going to get us where we're going instead of, you know, having to depend on a two junior team. And I, oh, oh, go ahead. I just want to say, I want to be really clear on that message because I think me as a baby entrepreneur would have heard that and I would have been like, oh, that's right. I'm going to go gamble with money I don't have betting that 
a good hire is going to change everything. Oh, no. We are gambling with house money. 100%. So we waited until we had a profit that we could afford to gamble with on the bigger players that yeah, we have. Yeah, no, there's, this is no credit. This is no layaway. Yeah. This is, no, you, you got so to play with house money 100%, but once you have it, play bigger. Yeah. Play, once you have it, play, play to what you want your business to be two years from now if you actually hope that it gets there. We said it today, uh, a high-level A player, one high-level A player hire is worth literally 10 young New coordinator like, level, yeah. Uh, without in terms of revenue, and almost immediate, you yeah. can see the results. The second thing is, if you're struggling right now, like how the heck do I get that great person in? But you're still a person who's like trading, you know, nickels and dimes as you contemplate what kind of health plan you should put together or not, whether or not you should afford them vacation or not. We have unlimited vacation. We have full benefits. We we try to put together a work environment that says, look, we do expect you to come in here and crush it, but we're going to leave at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. We're going to you know, hope that you can have a life that leaves you full and feels like your full value is being compensated for, whether it's you know in pay, but also in the benefits that come with it and the kind of environment that we create. We so. want to treat our team the way we would want to be treated if we were them. And I think we have our compensation like our salaries our our insurance our 401k our unlimited vacation like we we intentionally tried to seek out what's we want to be bomb like we want people to see our our listings and be like holy crap by the way i'm i'm the pragmatic practical person in the duo here and my pragmatism sometimes has meant that i was a little too concerned with this line item on the balance sheet in a short-sighted way. I was like, well, I don't know that we need to give them all of these benefits. I'm not sure that we need to make it that attractive. Like, we're going to make something great and they're going to want to work here because of what we make, not because of the benefit package. And then you realize you get the right person in. It takes one great person with the right set of benefits to make all the benefits pay for themselves in a minute. So We've had unlimited vacation for like, what, six months, nine months? Nine months. I don't know that a single person has even taken like a week. Honestly, people we don't have to take tell advantage. people yeah. to take vacation. If you get the right, if you get the right hire, yeah, if when, you get the right not if, when you get the right hire, because of the either using a third party that's going to help you vet the right way, or you have the right set of criteria and you know how to hire the right person, you get the right person in, you have a benefit like unlimited vacation, you're not going to have someone who's taking advantage. And by the way, you're going to create a culture that would have the one person who may take advantage feel like Mm -hmm. there's no way that they'd possibly deviate from the way every other high achiever on the team is ultimately showing up. Yeah, I think I get so many questions about this from my friends who are entrepreneurs. They're like, oh, how's your how's your unlimited vacay? Like, how does that work? Aren't you? And honestly, how it works is that people tend to take like, hey, can I take a Thursday off because I got to take my kid to the doctor or whatever like it's people don't it is not nobody nobody no one's taken taken a three and a half week vacation never so just in case you're wondering it is a huge sign of i think respect for your employees and it has not affected us at all the third thing our five things is a focus on what the audience wants which sounds pretty simple but at the end of the day when you're thinking about like what the audience wants, serving them well 
is the secret it's to our secret sauce. every single thing that we do. Every everybody is like, how how are you guys doing this? How are you selling this? And guys, this is gonna sound douchey. I'm not. This just real talk. We're entrepreneurs here. Let's real talk this. We've been very successful in the last twelve months, and. Everybody in similar industries, how are you selling this many books? How are you selling this many journals? How do you have this many? And how, do, how did this many people come to your events? What, what are you doing? How is it? And honestly, nobody wants to hear my answer because they want me to say, oh, well, we have a Facebook ad budget and or we did an email drip campaign or no, one million percent. We listen to the audience. Every single thing that we do is in reaction to what you as our audience is asking us for. Everything. The clue the clues for what we should work on in a five-year plan live in the comment section of Instagram, live in the direct messages, live in our customer service emails. When somebody asks over and over and over for the same thing, it is the clue that we follow and the question that we answer with a product that we put in the market. Yeah. I mean, that that's girl wash your face. Everyone's like, oh, this book, like how did you know that? I'm like, because girl wash your face was the questions I got most often from my online community. You know, I'm struggling with my marriage or I hate the way I look or I, you know, this thing or that thing. And I thought, well, I'm just going to write a book that's a response to all of these same questions. The 20 questions I get over and over and over. People are like, how did you know? Look, no way I knew it was going to do what it did, but I knew that it would resonate with women. Even when I'm, you know, I'm thinking back when Dave first read it for the first time, he was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You should not put this out. You should not put this out. Like, this is too much. This is too vulnerable. This is too much information. I was like, I I just really feel compelled that this is what I'm supposed to do. So the reason we say that to you, especially those of you who are in relationship with the community online, is listen to what they are asking you. So, and and by the way, this isn't just people of an online community. This is you bakery store owner. This is you um, hair salon owner. This is you massage therapist. This, your customers and your clients are asking you the same questions over and over, but you think that what they're asking is so simple and so obvious that there's no business there. And the reality is the things that we think are so simple and obvious, it's because we're an expert on them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we were talking to some friends recently and I was trying to encourage him to do, we do, you know, y'all know I do my online coaching and it's been, not only has it been incredible for me as a teacher to learn to communicate through live video, but it's been like our community is incredible. 12,000 students all over the world. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. It's been such a blessing for the community this year. It's been such a blessing for us as a company. And I was trying to convince a friend of ours to do it. And he was just like, what would I even teach on? And I said, do you have like 10 questions that you get? And he was like, of yeah, of course. And he starts laying them out. This, I mean, I get hundreds of emails on this things and thousands of questions on that. And I was like, dude, that's what you teach on. That's what the audience is asking you to supply them with. So we think of that as, so we think of services two things. One, it is making sure that our company is truly built around what you are asking us to build. You are asking for solutions. And I think it's our job 
our mission to try and come up with solutions that work for you, that meet you where you are with what you've got. The other thing to us when it comes to service, and and this is really social, or even I think of this, like we just went to a restaurant. We, we went to a restaurant uh, here in Hawaii, uh, Kalapaway Deli, if you are in Kailua Delicious. and you want to go visit. There's Kalapaway Market, which we love, but they opened this cute little cafe in Delhi, And we've gone there like four days in a row, literally four days in a row. We snuck away for lunch, <laughs> eating the same thing every day. Part of it is the food is bomb, but really a big part of it. And if you guys know them, whoever owns that, I want you to like send this note. Big part of it is Paula. Paula, like her customer service. Her unreal. Unreal. I don't even know Paula's job. She is either the owner of all of Kalapaway or she is everyone's dream employee. She's the chief engagement specialist oh my gosh. at this restaurant. So the reason I don't know her job is she's like hostess. Like she's sitting, she's sitting people. She's grabbing food. She's cleaning tables. She's chatting with the customers. She is so fun. She's so engaged. Like I, I, I just, I love her. And this is the thing is like, what does customer service look like to you? How do you care and love on the people in your community? So for Paula, that looks like making sure we're taken care of, asking us how our day is going, seeing if we want, hey, did you need more coffee? I don't know. It's just like you genuinely believe that she cares about you in her space. And that is what we as business owners strive to do is we want you to feel like we genuinely care and appreciate that you're here. What's, what's interesting and like with the coaching, you know, going into the private Facebook groups and asking the students, what would you like me to teach on in this topic? And then having the coaching session be a reflection of the actual comments that come out of that Facebook group says, I saw you, I, uh-huh. I hear you. When people saw you writing in a spiral bound notebook over and over the mm-hmm. things that you were trying to manifest in your life, it, it gave birth to the start today journal. And when even that happened, and then there were still questions about, well, how the heck do I use it? You heard that feedback and made a podcast episode. Mm-hmm. It's episode 72 of this yep. very podcast. We made videos well, on how even to use that, it. Episode 72 is a really great example of service as well, because one of the things that we are very mindful of, like, please hear me, we are very mindful of the fact that we have members of our community who do not have an extra dollar to spend. Yeah. And so it's important that we are not just teaching or not just sharing information or not just creating products to people who have the money. Cause that's not, that's not, look, we are in a business, 44 people counting on us for salaries and insurance. We, we have to make money. That's the way that it works. But at the same time, whenever possible, we have to be able to give away and do as much content as we can for free. This podcast that you're listening to, this is like episode 100 and whatever, all those episodes are free. Rise Together podcast, free. The hundreds upon hundreds of episodes of our live stream that we've done every day, free. By the way, like we have this conference called Rise. It's amazing. Being in the room, there is literally nothing on earth like it, but we knew that not everyone was going to be able to make it to that experience in person, so we made a documentary. It exists on Amazon Prime, if you're a member of Prime, for free. And if yeah. you're not, for $4.99. Yeah. It's like being able to give people an experience or with like the episode 72, you can't buy a journal. 
okay. Here, the important thing the is that you do the practice yeah. because the practice is the thing that will actually afford you a chance at changing your life. Well, and I would say too about our conferences. We have Rise is a three-day conference as we go forward. We have our first business conference later this fall we're really excited about. I would challenge anyone to find a three-day personal development conference where the least expensive ticket is 200 bucks. Like it's does not exist. It doesn't exist. And we could charge more. We could charge twice as much for three times as much for that ticket and then go up from there. But for us, it's look, I was that business owner that really struggled financially and it was a huge deal for me to scrape together 150 bucks. And I was willing to sit at the highest, highest, highest seats in the biggest arena in the world just so that I could be in the room. And I want to be mindful of serving at every level, not just at the ones who have the money to spend. So I think that serving your community well it pays dividends. Oh, like yeah. it comes back over and over and over. And here, I, I'll say this too, because this is crazy. In a traditional publishing world where you're selling a book, convincing a publisher to make chapters of a book available for a podcast like this one, where for both Girl Stop Apologizing and Girl Wash Your Face, there are around five chapters from each book that exist as standalone episodes of this podcast. The reaction was, we can't give this content away because you will disincentivize someone from buying it. And every single time we pushed, the episode airing would coincide with sales going up. Sampling your product, finding ways to make it accessible and available to them without having to pay will give them, as long as the product's good, and a reason to want to actually purchase. So some of it is counterintuitive. You have to work against a little bit of the way the world has potentially traditionally worked, but finding a way to make your product available and accessible to your audience in a way that as they experience it has them saying, hey, I actually want more. I will pay for the whole thing. I'd like to come to the conference after having seen the documentary. It all works toward the greater good as long as they have an ability to get it. Yeah, I think... Um we've seen that time and time again is, and, and that's the, that's the experience in my own life is when I did pay the 150 bucks to go to that first conference, I guess how I'm wired, maybe this isn't everyone, how I'm wired is like someday, someday I'm going to be VIP. Yeah. Someday I'm going to be down there on the floor next to the stage. I'm going to work. And it like gave me a carrot to, it gave me a light at the end of the tunnel. It gave me something to work for. It was such a huge deal for me to be able to work my way up to get to the next place. And when you know people get frustrated, they'll be like, "Man, I you know I don't have the money to go to." A, and I'm like, "What? Well, why would that make you angry? Don't get angry. Don't get angry. Just add the word yet. I don't have the money yet, but dang it, I'm going to do these three things, and then next year's going to be my year. I think that there's this." This perception that happens even in business, guys, where you see someone else as successful and you think it means that now you can't be successful. You see sort of this scarcity yeah. and it's why more business owners, it's why more leaders don't give away content, don't give away the stuff. Don't Gary Vee's my favorite on this topic. Gary Vee is like, I give away everything for free. And his, his rationale is pretty twisted, but it's also real. He's like, I give away everything for free because 99% of you will not do what I am telling you to do. <laughs> 
Isn't that crazy? It's yeah. true, though. He's like, oh, you're so worried. No, 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 no. Don't worry about them because the 1% of people who go out and use your product are going to love it. And they're going to love you for being the kind of leader who believes in your product so much, you will give it away for free. Yeah. I mean, the word service also means impact in the way that we're thinking about it. And if you can think about how the thing that you're making available will impact the person's life in a better way, in a way that it lets them transform, whatever it might be, it's going to change to the way that you get excited about it and the way that, frankly, they get excited about it. Um, a good example of this I think of in terms of impact is Start Today Journal. So I'm sure you guys have heard us talk about it. It is this journal that I made up based on something that I had done for years. It is in my, it is a core, it is a keystone element in my life. Like doing this practice every single day, writing down things I'm grateful for, claiming the 10 dreams for my future and what's the one goal I'm going to focus on first. I have done it for years. I, f I believe in my core that I'm living the life I'm living because of this daily practice. So here's what impact looks like to me. Frankly, Start Today journals are selling like hotcakes. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you, community. We have the most incredible group of people. Y'all buy them. Thank you. It is what makes it possible for our team to keep growing and expanding. But all of a sudden, I'm doing book signings now. And women are coming up to me at the book signing, and they've got their copy of Girl, Wash Your Face, and they've got their copy of GSA, and they've got their Start Today journal. And I'm like a nerd. I'm giddy. I'm a dork. And I'm like so excited. Oh my gosh, yes, I will sign the Start Today Journal. I'm so excited. And I open the journal. And it's the first time anyone's opened the journal. And they'll kind of look at me sheepishly because this journal was from the holiday collection and it's June. And they're like, oh, I just, you know, I haven't gotten around to it yet. And I got to tell you that there is, there's a, I would say about half the people who buy Start Today are hardcore. They use it every day. We can see what's like 18,000 hashtags. Like people are so into it. They are so devout because they've understand how it works for them. And then there's another group of people with all the love in my heart who are buying themselves some shelf esteem. Shelf esteem. Yeah. yeah. Not self esteem, shelf esteem. You're buying the thing that makes you feel like you're making change when you're not really making change. It's like going and buying workout clothes because you say that you want to get healthy. And so you're like, oh, the first thing I got to do is buy a treadmill. No, no. The first thing you've got to do is go move your body. Move. The first thing you've got to do is go drink some water. And the reason I bring this up is like the, the question of impact right now is Start Today Journal. It's not monetary. It's my girls are out there and they're buying these journals. They're spending their money and they're not doing anything with it. And it doesn't matter if we sell a million journals, if a million people aren't using this tool to make their lives better then I'm failing as a leader. So then the next question that I have as a leader is how do I better help you as an audience? What kind, and you'll see it now, you're gonna see this content start to pop up. What kind of videos do I need to make so that you understand exactly how to do the journal? What kind of community do I create so that you have some accountability and you're using that hashtag and you're focusing on the goal? Like if, if, you, if I'm talking to you right now, Man, I care this much. I'm, I'm banging on the carpet. I care this much to fight for your life. You've got to care enough to show up for your life. So that, to me, that's what, that's what impact looks like. It's not enough to sell the product. 
You actually have to give a crap if the people that you sold the product to are using it and making the change that you told them that they were buying. That is good. All right. Leadership was one. <laughs> Dave's like, the this team, is a nine-hour podcast. Uh, building up a, a team of A players was two. Service, foca- focusing on how you actually are serving your community is three. Uh, and the fourth key to this success of the last 13 Kiss. months. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Keeping it simple. Focusing, focusing, focusing on the things that actually drive and move the needle and not being distracted by every other thing. So we sell four products. This big company, we've had incredible revenue growth, incredible profit growth. We only sell four things. Books, journals, coaching, live events. Those are the only four things we sell. And the exception to that is that we do have, like QVC is a really good example. QVC is a partnership with someone that is allowing us to have access to a new audience. So the exception of stepping away from our core four is only their strategy in that. It's because we're trying to infiltrate a new group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think this is what I talked about this quite a bit in coaching at the beginning of the year is do you as a business owner, do you know what are your highest performing products? What are the highest performing units? What are are the services that you offer to clients that are the, the most profitable for you? Not that make the most money, that make the most profit. It's the 80-20 principle, right? Like 80% of your profit comes from 20% of the things that you sell. 80% of your profit comes from 20% of your customers. If you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, look up the 80-20 principle. There's like 57 books you can read on it. But the idea is if you, if, if it's true and it is like, if you look right now at your P and L, you're going to see that a certain segment of what you sell is making you the most money. And so then the question is, how do I zero in on my highest margin products? How do I zero in on my highest margin services? If I go all in on one thing or two things, how does that change? It certainly changes your intention, it changes your focus, it changes how much time and energy your team is spending or you're spending doing 57 different things. Like, no, no, no. We only sell four things. I mean, we use it as a guide for our senior leadership meetings that happen once a month where we're setting what are the five priorities of the organization that we're going to put up on a whiteboard in that main room where everyone's sitting so that everyone knows what we're rowing toward as a group. And if someone throws something out that doesn't align with our four things that we sell, well, we don't put it up on the board. It helps gate the creep that ultimately could come in as a distraction. Now, are there times when someone's got a new idea that is an adjacency to one of our four things that we say, hey, you know what, strategically, this would make sense? Well, of course. But we try to stay laser focused on just doing our core because it's where the majority of our overhead expenses, uh, you know, sitting against. It's the majority of what the audience is asking for and consuming with. And it's the majority of what we're trying to build year over year as we think about how are we going to take the 2020 target that we have and have it end up being a bigger year than 2019? How are we going to create 
more sustainability in the business? How are we going to expand, you know, potentially something inside of that category of books or expand inside of that category of events? This last year, we went from having a rise event and a business event to what shortly is going to be us announcing a handful of rise events and business events. So it's not to say that we're only going to do a single thing in each of those categories. It's how do we focus on those categories that we know are a core competency of this team and create a portfolio of products inside of each that we can offer as a service to the audience? Yeah, I think it's important to note that distinction. When I say we only sell four things, I didn't say we only have four products. Yep. You know what I mean? Because we only sell four things, uh, books being one of them, but we have many books. I have many books. You're about to launch your first book. So it's not that there's only one skew of that product, but it's that we as a team or as individual groups amongst our team need to know how to sell only four things. Because if you know how to sell one book, you can sell any book. Yep. Uh, the other thing that's really interesting too, just going back to this idea of service is all four of these products were at the request of this audience. Every single one of those things was something that the audience asked us and we were like, well, shoot, I guess we can figure it out. I think it's important to note too that while the products that we have might not change, the content of those products does absolutely have to become fresh and new and clean. If you went to Rise two years ago and you're going to Rise today, they aren't even in the same solar system. Nope. They are so different. But by the way, the differences that you're going to see in Rise in Dallas in you know July of 2019 is a reflection of the feedback from the audience yes. that was in Austin, Texas yes. in 2017, in Los Angeles in 2018, in Minneapolis in 2019. Every time there's been an experience where the consumer is feeding back, hey, you know what would have, been, would have made this just a little bit better? We're taking that, you're taking that with the creative team and creating a curriculum and teaching materials that are going to speak specifically to the things that they wish they would have seen. The 2020 events are going to be different than the 2019 yeah, events in a great way. Well, and I think the idea, so this fall we're doing our first rise business conference and that was a really intentional decision i made because and then like fought, not fought but like convinced the team to like come along for the ride because anytime you step into a new arena it's pretty scary like oh shoot you know is this this is a, the, obviously it's a big financial investment and what if people don't want to aren't interested in learning about business from us or, or talking about small business but for me it was I just, I kept getting those same questions from you as an audience uh, about business stuff where I kept speaking at business conferences where I would talk about really basic things, really basic, you know, a marketing plan or how, you know, let's talk about social, let's talk about margin. And I could see these people like deer in headlights where they've paid, you know, $5,000 to come to this conference. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you literally, you don't know anything about business, which is okay, because that was me, right? Back in the day, how, going to conferences were how I learned. But it makes my blood boil that there are people who are saying, come to my business conference, spend all of this money with me, and then you got a pat on the back. You got to go to a networking event. You got 
to get inspired maybe by some speakers, but you left without any idea of how to grow the profit in your company. Tangible. Tangible. Like I I did it for years because I was too dumb to realize like, wait a minute, I'm super inspired and I have a great new quote for my wall, but I don't actually know how to make more money. And it, I, I literally, the, the big turning point for me was I had gone to a conference and there was someone there who had mortgaged their house Ugh. to be in the group who got to come to this conference. I got to talk to them afterwards. They had mortgaged their house to come to this thing. And the reason that I am freaking out is because at that level, when you're paying this kind of money, this is supposed to be the high level. This is like, you already know how to do business and now we're gonna go one level up. And as I'm coaching them from the stage, because I just happen to call on these people and I'm coaching them from the stage, I mean, they don't know fundamental basics. Margin, but they're, yeah, <laughs> gross. They, but, yeah. They're, but they're, like so many people, they're obsessed with the idea of keeping up with the Joneses. You know, there they are and I can see the jewelry and the jacket and the jeans and you've got your fancy bag and everybody around you thinks that you're so, that you've got it all together and you know what you're talking about. And the reality is like, yes, this person should not have done that. that that's dumb. This sort of last ditch effort. I'm going to mortgage my house to go to a conference. My, I can't even fathom. But the part that makes me angry is the person who threw that event. How dare you not care? How dare you not care that your message is not get, that that they don't know how to do these things? Sorry, I went off on a tangent, hey. but that's why we did the conference. Was I was like, geez, I don't know like the fancy whatever, but I know how to help people make more money. Yeah, I know how to help them figure out how to increase profit. I can teach you how to do social media. So we have some of the greatest friends in the world in this arena who can teach you how to do sales, who can teach you how to put together an email like. It's this thing like, remember that what I said earlier about people keep asking you the same questions and you're like, oh, that's too simple. Or the other thing that people think is, oh, it's been done before. You know how many people have done a business conference? I guarantee you they haven't done a business conference like we're going to do one. Oh, for sure. Sorry. I, don't, sorry, not sorry. Don't apologize for getting passionate about actually putting a, a, a conference in front of people that'll do something that other conferences haven't. I, yeah. I, feel, I feel as confident as you do. The reason I brought it up was the idea of we do the same stuff, but we're going to refresh it and make it new so we make sure we continue to serve the audience. That's where that tangent came from. All right. Leadership, team, service to the audience, focusing on the most important things. And the fifth thing in how we've scaled this business in the way that we have in the last 13 months, we really lean on our individual strengths to complement each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about, at least on the Rise Together podcast, this like difference between who you are as a creative and a dreamer, who I am as a practical, pragmatic operator. And as much as that at times creates friction, that friction produces some amazing fruit when we're able to push the emotion of that friction aside. It took us a minute to get past the friction to realize that there was fruit. One, yeah, that's uh, it's like a pineapple. <laughs> yeah, it is like a pineapple. It is like a pineapple. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> I'm bringing it full circle no, here. here. Let me give you an example. So I am very much a startup kind of leader. A startup leader, meaning I have done every job in my company. I, I lead from the bottom up because it started with just me. Dave is very much a 
corporate or big company kind of leader? Is that how? Yeah, you would I mean, say I, it? I came out of a team where I had a thousand people in fifty-two countries working as professionals of a trade that I did not grow up doing. So I led them by keeping the politics and the bureaucracy of this big corporate entity from disrupting them doing their work. And when they would come to me with a problem, I would ask them what their you know, recommendations were and we'd go with something that they were recommending. Here, this is a small team that has a new problem showing up on an every single day basis. And if I waited for them to have the right set of suggestions that we could consider as options to deal with the problem, the problem would grow too big, too fast, and it would just completely disrupt our business. And so I've had to, like, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, totally rethink the way that I lead. When we first started working together, I think there was a bit of like, for both of us, like my way is better than your way. And what we've discovered is that if we take the best parts of both of our ways is what is where the magic happens. Absolutely. So a good example of this is like my way is the leader has to do everything. And Dave's way, because he was coming from a bigger business, was hire high level talent and get out of their way. And the answer in the last year has been a combination of both of those things. Leaders have, because of the type of team, the t- how fast we're going, we as leaders really have to be in the trenches with the team, but also hiring high-level talent and using a specialist to do that, using a headhunter to find a head of HR, and then having that head of HR just kill it for us in hiring is really how we started to see incredible growth. So they were both right. I think, too, just like the way that we attack whether it's how should we put tickets for an event on sale, what content should we create, how should we serve this audience well, the, the mix of how the content itself is created, but then how the content that's been created makes its way to as broad an audience as possible because of partnerships, because of advertising, because of whatever it might end up being, you've been focused on, as it should be, creating the very, very best set of tools that this audience is asking for. And my job ends up being, how do I get them in their hands? Yeah. Right? And so, like, if you only were focused on great content creation, but don't have a person who's thinking about delivery, how is anyone going to get it? Yeah, I think... On the the other side of that coin, if, if you're only thinking about how to get something in people's hands, but you're not worried about the creative... It doesn't matter if you get it in their hands. Yeah. It's not going to be a tool that's going to actually help them in any way, and they won't come back for more because they were malnourished when they received it from you last well, time. Well, the, the other thing I was going to say is because I come from the blogging world, I am super content-focused. I'm just like content, content, create content. And because you come from a big media company, your thing was how do we take the content you were already producing and slice it and dice it and and make sure it's getting distribution on every platform instead of just Rachel run yourself into the ground creating unlimited content forever and ever amen so that how do you make the content work harder was more my question how do you make the content great was your question something else you did that was I hated but was masterful was and I, I think this is like from Disney the strategy behind stacking and layering content so it works together. Whereas I came from a world of like launch one thing, then wait six months, launch another thing. And as much as it 
the first six months you were on board, it like nearly killed us <laughs> of having to figure out how to stack all these things and make sure that there was synergy between launching a book and then launching a, a movie in theaters and then it comes out on Amazon and how does that coming out on Amazon drive it to the book on Amazon and like coaching it, yeah it was do you. so stressful to figure out but that's I don't know what that's called stacking is what I call it, it has that's been bomb. I think the biggest piece of advice I would give is if you can do a little diagnostic to identify what your particular set of skills like Liam Neeson is, if you are the creative, then do you have an operator, right? If you're an operator, do you have a creative? If you're a creative or an operator, do you have an entrepreneur, right? Like there are mm -hmm. different personality types that every business needs to get from where it is to where it wants to go. If you and your leadership are all exclusively creators, you are not going to scale. Yeah, I'm a creative. If you are all exclusively operators, you are not going to scale. And so the like secret here, the fifth of our five things and how we've leveraged the unique set of skills that we each bring in a way that complement each other and have the one and one equal three or five, that has been a killer unfair advantage because of who we each are and how we've each taken our previous business experience and brought it to this one. I do think it has been really helpful. I want to be careful with how I say this because I might have heard this wrong and made bad hiring choices years ago, but I do think it has been very powerful for me for the first time ever in you as a business partner and then with a lot of our key leaders, I am working closely with people who came out of incredible business. Like our leadership team comes from Spanx and SoulCycle and just incredible companies. And so for the first time in my life, I'm really closely surrounded by people who came from profitable businesses. And as a creative or an artist, it was hard for me to ask people to pay for anything. Like I spent a lot of my years in debt and struggling, struggling, struggling financially. Like I've told the story before of the first rise. I went $42,000 in debt, $42,000. That was not money I had. I had to work so hard that year just to break even because I had gone so into debt off this, you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes, very successful event because I was afraid to charge people too much money because I didn't want, oh, like, you know, an artist will give it away for free. An artist will, will, you know, cause they don't want, they don't ever want like the, the beauty of the art or the craft or whatever to be hindered by adding a dollar amount to it. And there are a lot of you right now who are in that boat, who need what I have and maybe don't have access to it yet. So let me be this person that speaks it over you. It doesn't matter how altruistic your endeavors are. It doesn't matter how much impact you want to have. It doesn't matter if what you are trying to do is straight from your heart, straight from the Lord, straight from the best places on earth. If you do not make money, you will not be in business, which means you are not going to be able to impact anything with a business that does not exist. Being around people who came from companies that were successful was so empowering for me because it's like, no, if you create a great product, not a good product, a great product, if you serve people well, if you serve your community well, if you charge a fair price, you can have a great business. 
you don't have to you don't have to give it away all for free you don't have to go into debt you don't have to struggle some of you need to hear that right now you don't have the access that i have as a creative to this incredible leadership team who are like no rachel it's okay to charge money for the thing. Uh, some of it, though, too, is mindset related. 100%. Right? If you don't believe that the thing that you're selling is valuable in the way that you're asking someone to pay for it, they won't believe it either. 100%. If, if you can't convince yourself. Now, one, you have to work on a great product. If you're not working on a thing that you have passion for, that's a completely different conversation for maybe a different day. But if you know... If you know, hey, this product has absolutely had an effect on my life, I believe in this product, then you need to have the mindset that says not bringing this as an opportunity to also affect the life of this person that I am in community with would be me letting them down. I'd be disapp- I, I wouldn't be doing them justice if I didn't come in and offer them the opportunity to also experience this product. Yeah. When you believe in what you're selling that much, it doesn't feel like asking someone for money. It feels like you're doing a favor for someone because you're introducing them to a product that's going to help them change well, their life. I think for me, it wasn't that I didn't believe in my product. I 100% believed in my product and knew that it was powerful. It's that I didn't believe other people would see value in my product. And so for me, the, the powerful reminder was, I, I think it was Christy Wright who told me this. She said, you, you walk into Starbucks, you go up to the barista, and you're like, I would like a latte. And the barista's like, okay, that's four fifty. And then you take money out of your pocket, or you put your credit card in, and you pay four fifty, and they give you a latte. That's a business. You have something I want, and I'm willing to pay you money for that thing. And every day, all day long, people all over the world are paying money for the commodity or the service or the thing that they want. So you have got to realize that your business, your service, your product has value. It has value. And that same person, she, she buys stuff all the time. So if someone says no to buying from you, it's not an indictment on you. Yeah, She just doesn't want your product. By the way, there's plenty of people that are making at-home coffee, not going to Starbucks, and it doesn't make Starbucks any less profitable necessarily. They're doing fine. It's that they've decided, whoever that person is, that they'd prefer to make coffee out of a pot in their house instead of going to a Starbucks. It's the same way. If someone says no, it's not about you necessarily. Maybe they can't afford it. Maybe they already have an alternative that's better. Maybe they don't need it right now. But there's someone who does and that person not needing it doesn't mean that that other person doesn't exist. Yeah, one of the one of the questions, and I keep hinting about this podcast, and I swear I'm going to do it, guys, because you guys keep asking, is this idea of the fear of success. Like, so many people struggle with the fear of success, which is not a fear that I have, which is why I haven't done the podcast yet, because I just want to make sure I have all the research and do all the things before I offer my advice on this. But... You know that saying we always say, it's not our quote, everybody says it, but you are the five people you surround yourself with most. That, you want to know what's changed the business for me as a leader? It is having you as a leader, having our our leadership team. Like I said, having these people who came from different backgrounds suddenly then gave me just a totally different perspective. And now the, the people who are around me are like, no, this is what it means to be in business. And by the way, look at how when we are successful, 
these 44 people now have jobs. Like that, that single mom, she's supporting her kids because you stood up as a leader, built a company that can pay for her health insurance and her salary. Like that is a beautiful thing that you did as a leader, but it took me having a different mentality around me. And the reason I mention that is if you've heard our conversation and you're like, dang, like I, I don't have, I don't have that leadership team. I don't have other people around you. I just can't encourage you enough to go to the library and get some books. You guys go listen to other podcasts about business. Uh, go, go. I have a, like a top 10 list of the leaders that I admire, how they've set up their companies. And I've read every book they've written. I've listened to all the things I go to the conferences with, like, if I can, if you feel like you need more business owner, you need some different kind of influence in your life so that you can grow and scale your business, which by the way, is 100% what you need, then go find it. Like if this conversation has been interesting or insightful or powerful for you, don't stop. Go, go, go get some books, go watch some YouTube videos, keep fueling yourself with information. Go, go to a conference. We, you want to go to a conference? We have our business conferences this fall. If you're not interested in our business conference, I think Dave Ramsey does incredible. His Entree Leadership Team does incredible business conferences. There are so many amazing resources out there for you. Don't hold on to the excuse that like, oh, well, I just don't, you know, must be nice for you. Like, I don't have any of those people in my life. Excuses are seducting. You know what I mean? Seducing. I don't think that's I don't think that's a word, but Seducting, I do know not what you a mean. word. No, but it's it sounds like a seductive. word. Seductive. Seductive. Wow. Either way. Did I just make up a word? Yeah, but you were seducting making seducting is not a word. Still not a word. <laughs> Can you Google it? I won't. It's not seducting. It's still not seducting. <laughs> seductive. I think we've I think we've crossed the time threshold on the old podcast uh, when we start making words up. I get really excited about this. Topic. I love that you do. Well, okay. Then I'm just going to end it on this. Your excuses are seductive, right? Yeah. Seductive is a word. Or seducing. Seducing and seductive. You guys get what I'm saying. The excuses are easier to hold on to. They're attractive. They're justification for why we're not where we said we were going to be. You know, I did that episode a couple of weeks ago, like... Hey, it's six months into 2019. Guess what, guys? It's July. It's seven months into 2019. How are you as a leader fighting for the business you know you can have? Fighting. You, you have your side hustle. How are you fighting to increase the profits from the side hustle so that you can make your car payment, so that you can help your family, so that you can you know, put yourself through school? You have the ability. And if this if this was an interesting episode to you, I just want to encourage you. There's so many great resources out there for free. Please do not stop here. Let's go. Can I ask for one more thing? Anything you want. We haven't done an episode like this on business together, on our business, what it means to work together and how we function as leaders. And I would just love it if this episode was helpful or interesting. Would y'all screenshot this episode and share it on social and tag me and Dave? Because 
the there's not really an easy way for us as podcast creators to know what y'all are loving and not unless you post it on social. So if you love this, will you throw it up on your Instagram? Make sure you tag Dave and I, hashtag Rise Podcast. And then tell us if there's something else. If you were like, dude, I wish you'd go more in detail on this topic or I wish you guys would talk about what it means for you to work together. I don't know. But um, we, like I said, everything we create is from you guys. So we'd love to know exactly what it is you're looking for.